Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Upstate Unconventional. I'm your host, Nico. We made it through Thanksgiving, so that's a plus, you know? At least I did. Made it through. Didn't piss off too many family members, which is always a good thing, I guess. But as always, folks, if uh, you've had a paranormal or a spiritual experience, something unexplained, something you just can't wrap your head around, people tell you you're crazy for telling them that story so you don't tell it anymore well tell it to me i want to hear it and we can try to get to the bottom of it and yeah or if you want to talk about anything really unconventional we can do that too conspiracies alternative health you name it send me a message upstateunconventional at gmail.com or find me on instagram at upstate underscore unconventional and we'll get you on the show now this next uh Wow, messed that one up. This next guest, (laughs) the guest on this show, uh, reached out to me, and she has quite the resume of paranormal experiences. Her name is Whitney Fox, and I don't want to say too much, guys, because this is an incredible episode. She's got so many different paranormal experiences. It's just the best way to say it, and it's when we were recording... I'm not going to lie. Some of the stories she was telling me, I got, you know, shivers up my spine. Literally, like, the hair on the back of my neck was standing up. I record down in my basement. It's kind of dark. I was creeped out. I'm not going to lie about that. But just excellent stories. I mean, really cool stuff. And if you want to reach out to Whitney, she does have a mediumship. Her uh, website is... WhitneyFoxMedium.com or you can check her out on Instagram send her a message, say what's up at uh, TricksterFox7 and yeah, guys buckle up, there's definitely going to be a part 2 to this as well, we're going to schedule that real soon, but enjoy the episode guys, it's a fun one Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Upstate Unconventional. I'm your host, Nico, and tonight we have a very special guest. I have Whitney Fox on. She reached out to me after hearing a few of my episodes, and I'm really excited to hear some of her experiences. She's got, she sent me quite the resume (laughs) through the email, (laughs) and I'm very excited to dive into them. So, Whitney, how are you tonight? I'm good, Nico. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And uh, so, yeah, what I like to do is just basically start at the beginning and just but but before we do that just kind of I guess tell the audience a little bit of like what your thoughts on the paranormal are and has this always been prevalent throughout your whole life or is this something that came on later or uh you know I think it has kind of been the whole time you know Mm -hmm. from the very beginning and um I think my pursuits in uh, you know, so I have had a sort of insatiable um, appetite for more information, you know, from a very young age. Um, and through all those different pursuits would lead me to different experimenting with things. And so I had um, started with some imaginary friends who I vaguely still remember. And, you know, I realized very young that I was scaring my family. Um, <laughs> the, my conversations with them and um come to find out later um one of my other siblings my brother also had some imaginary friends but um he, i remember them <laughs> and uh so um 
as I got a little, a little bit older and a little bit more aware, you know, I, they were when I was very young, you know, probably when I uh, started to speak and to hear my family tell it was, uh, you know, like 18 months old, you know, talking about, you know, my two friends, I called them Dandy and Dondi. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then I, uh, I had, um, you know, I was early verbal, but was always giving things nicknames, you know, like my, all of my siblings had weird nicknames too. So I don't remember what Dean and Dondi actually meant. I, in later life, I kind of, I kind of feel like I might've been trying to say Danny uh, with one of them, but um, I come to find out uh, in a little later childhood that my family was actually very open to that kind of thing. Um, my mother's sister had a poltergeist named George that um, she and her husband had acquired <laughs> with a, a makeshift um, Ouija board when they were in high school. So, and then when I came along, my aunt and uncle were pretty old and they had had George for their entire marriage. And, um, and they lived in um, Southern Utah and we went up there every year to camp and fish and we would stop at, you know, this aunt and uncle's house to shower and do laundry and they would come camping with us. And so uh, we had, I witnessed many things with George had, you know, some like personally. And so by age, um, let's call it 10, 9, 10, I knew that a poltergeist activity was absolutely something that happened, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, you know, back then it was like, oh, no, no such thing as ghosts or my aunt knew my aunt was always tortured by it. I would hear, you know, when, even when we weren't there, I would hear my mother having conversations with her, trying to, you know, calm her down and it's okay. It's never hurt you, that kind of thing. And, um, so I don't know if you want me to go into my most dramatic experience with George. Um, sure. Sure. Okay. And I was going to ask now, did they intentionally invite him in or were they just kind of messing around with a Ouija board one night and he showed up? As the story goes through the family, they were in high school still, and they were just messing around before they were married. And um, he showed up, and he professed his love for my aunt. And um, and he, I mean, he kind of was like the family stalker in some ways because he really messed with her. Like he would hide things, and things would appear. And I witnessed some of these like apports or apportations, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Things would appear, move around. Um, so various things at the house when we would go there, even my father, my father was very like, um, very of sound mind, you know, good sense of humor, but not anybody that would tell tall tales or get paranoid. And he said, 100%, there is something here. And it, it, it definitely manifests in ways without trying to scare like the rest of the family. My mother obviously had seen a lot, but, um, my first experience with George was, uh, and it was my first experience with like what you might call like a liminal space. Um, mm -hmm. After camping, I, uh, you know, we went to, you know, their place to shower and laundry and stuff. And I was pouring a bath. I knew about George. I had not had an experience with him yet. Um, I was pouring a bath and I was, you know, whatever, getting my stuff ready. And I sensed that the bathtub was almost full because the sound in the room reflected that and I it had been on for a while and I turned around to get in the bath and it was completely empty and even though I had already had experiences with George and you know I had already had um, been already having night terrors and I already knew that there was something going on with consciousness I had not that was my first one where I was in the physical space 
and there was a shift in reality sort of. So it wasn't that I was scared. I somehow knew it was George. Um, so that was my first one. And so we went up there every year that it was either the next year or the year after I had brought a friend with me and this was the more dramatic one, you know, so essentially I had said something to, you know, my aunt and, you know, she about the bath and, you know, she, I had already heard some stories about, you know, camera, a camera appearing that had been lost for, um, for like two years and it appeared on the bed and it was around the time that we were there, that kind of thing. So there's always, there was always this kind of shock in the air of like, like nobody ever got used to it. Let's put it that way. It was, mm -hmm. it was harmless. I think it was harmless all in all. I think it was always joke, kind of a jokester. But anyway, this one year I brought a friend camping with us and she and I had already had an experience at her house in California. I grew up in California. And um, so she was already open to it. And I, I sort of feel like there is something to being open-minded to this kind of thing, you know, um, yeah. that you have to see into different spaces and I, I just think there's something special about the people's brains who experience paranormal stuff like maybe um, advanced or a more developed pineal or something in any case we were having our break time from the camping trip a couple of nights at my aunt's and she had this refinished basement that had um, you know the washer and dryer and tv and that kind of thing and and uh, we were uh, watching TV and above the TV, it was like one of those old school consoles and above the TV was this like hideous hanging basket. <laughs> it was like, it was like hanging from a wicker chain and it was it, instead of metal, it, it was like a cage, but instead of metal, it was like black thread and in it were these fake birds. <laughs> I mean, it was really wow. ugly, but hanging above this, <laughs> like that was scary enough. Right. So I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Anyway, it was hanging suspended above the TV <clears throat> and we could hear my aunt talking upstairs, walking around the kitchen was sort of right above that area and the door was open so we could hear their talking and, <clears throat> and I could hear my aunt walking back and forth in the kitchen, cooking or preparing food, whatever. And um, all of a sudden this hanging basket, it turned, it, it turned on its suspension uh, like night, like 90 degrees, just turned. And so you know, she and I look at each other and like, we were for sure old enough to understand that, like, if you turn something on a chain and you let it go, it's going to like find its center again, mm -hmm. but it didn't, it turned, but maybe, maybe it was more than, I mean, it was a full turn. And, um, so we just sat there and then, you know, like I looked at her and I was like, that ain't right. <laughs> you know, that I, whatever touched it there, you know, there's no windows in this basement, nothing. And, and, um, She's like, uh, yeah, that's not, I don't, what's going on? And so they had a little dog and the little dog comes down and just starts barking its head off at this thing. And so, mm -hmm. you know, you know, we both are like, okay, uh, we both know about the thing, the poltergeist, whatever. And then my aunt starts talking upstairs and then it, it like followed her. It followed where her footsteps went. And so now it's turning like another full degree on its suspended wicker chain and then just stays like that. And so we, it was like, there was something kinetic in the air. We could feel this, whatever mm -hmm. it was, had this force of the air had moved this basket and, you know, the dog is losing its mind. And so, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in this 
situation where you're trying to stay calm, but then once you kind of freak out, then you really freak out. So. Yeah, you start shaking a little bit. It's, well, it's really... like I took off for the stairs. I'm like, I'm getting the F out, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and then she's behind me and we, of course, go running upstairs, just, you know, freaking out 12 year olds or whatever. And, and so then my uncle, really sweet man, he's like, girls, let's go outside. <clears throat> and my dad and, um, you know, we told him what we saw and stuff. And my uncle was like, okay, so it's not going to hurt you. There is something here. It's never hurt any of us. And I don't want you to panic. Don't want you to lose any sleep. And, you know, tr- tried to talk to us like the adults and bring us down. But they for sure did not deny that it was mm-hmm. told me a little story that, you know, uh, they had a TV repairman back. It was back in the day we had those. And um, he came out, <clears throat> had the same experience and left all his tools and said, I'm not coming back. You know, so, so that was, <clears throat> that was a early, pretty early, like, kind of a big deal because that happened yeah. you know um it, it it wasn't scary what i mean you could call it a haunting like my aunt was haunted um and upset and it from what i understood it stayed with them the whole time you know once we mm-hmm. kind of my parents got older and then my mom passed away we didn't go up camping any we didn't do that anymore and then they passed away they got real old but from what i heard from cousins and stuff it was it's all, it happened all the way, you know, she just had George, you know, she had her husband and she had George. So, um, wow. so yeah, yeah, that was, um, that was kind of a big one, uh, for a big first one where I was like, okay, this is, I'm not being told the truth. My culture doesn't tell me the truth, but you know, I also, at the same time, like I said, I had an insatiable, um, appetite for anything that I could read, watch, you know, uh, hear, you know, um, on, every topic very early so um so yeah. i kind of the concurrently with that um for about 10 years i had what i later came to think were past life dreams um so that was kind of a big deal for me like i had a very active dream life and so in these probably from the ages of about 10 to 20 um i must have had um probably 25 to 30 dreams of being the same person. This, I was a man. Uh, I was in Scotland. I just, I knew that I lived in a very large house. I had, um, I had dreams where I was riding by on a horse, uh, playing like a soccer game in the field, being inside the building. I could describe the building. I had, the, I had this whole like affair with, a uh, a servant, um, in the house, or in the manor next door and she became pregnant and there was this like home abortion and she died. And I mean, I'm telling you, it was this whole story. And um, I can almost describe what I looked like as a man. And, you know, I knew nothing about this at that, you know, at the time when I was growing up and just on a random happenstance, I found a book in the library because I had this insatiable reading appetite for anything out of the, anything paranormal, occult, what, you know, whatever. And I found this book called uh, The Search for Brady Murphy. And I rode my bike home and I read that and I was like, that's it. That's it. It's a, it's a story. It was a book written, I think, by a hypnotherapist back in the 50s. And he took someone, um, bright, or he took a woman back um, and through hypnosis to try and help her, I think it was to quit smoking. And then they ended up finding this personality that, um, you know, back that was and a bunch of information that she, it's a really cool book. It's old, but, um, you know, a bunch of information that she couldn't have known and was kind of one of the early modern cases of, you know, reincarnation. And, and I was like, that's it. 
you know, okay, I done. I know what that is. And then I read everything I could on it, you know, and um, one thing leads to another in that section of the bookstore, or the library. Right. So, um, uh, I think I had said in my email too, I had a couple of uh, haunted friends early on and yes, um, they, uh, th- this is a weird story because at the time, um, th- one of them was sort of a bully, but also a friend. And they, w- mm-hmm. and the other one I was just friends with, and they were always kind of doing some weird stuff with me, like treating me kind of weird. Sometimes I'd be bullied. Sometimes I wouldn't, I was always off guard with these two, but they were also friends. Like as soon as I would try and kind of pull away, I would, you know, I would get kind of sucked back in, you know, I was very, I was a very nice person. So I was always open to like friends. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the weird, there was some weird things that ended up having a uh, ultimate end to them that later in life, I was like, yeah, there's, this is what it was. What, for instance, there, there was two of them. Uh, I'll call them a, a tall one and a short one. The short one, uh, we, we were better friends and we laughed a lot. Right. But around this, and I always found myself in groups with her, but this one incident, I found myself alone. She was spending the night and um, she just kind of wanted to do some like weird stuff. Like she'd pull out stuff and she's like, Hey, I, she found this like combination lock. It was a bike lock, but it was combination. And she goes, she goes, what, uh, what's, you know, how come you still have this? And I was like, what? why'd you get that out? What? Uh, yeah, it's a lock. I don't, I don't know the combination is my sister's or something. And um, she goes, why don't we sit and try and uh, pick the lock? I went, okay, yeah, sure. She goes, give me a number. And I said a random number. And it was a four. I remember it was a four lock, four number combination. And mm-hmm. she goes, give me a number. And I, I gave her a number. And she goes, okay. Like, maybe I said seven. And she goes, okay, I'm going to say two. And she goes, she goes, say another number. And I said another number. And, uh, and then she says another number. And it was the lock. She unlocked the lock. And I was like how did you do that? Like, this is my lock. Mm-hmm. It was my sister's lock. I don't know. the, And it was just kind of creepy, a little creep. That's and so, so weird. It was weird. And the same night I had this, she pulls another thing out that I like forgot I had. And it was this, there used to be these, like, I don't know if there was like these sand, it was like sand on the inside, but it was like a little frame filled with two different colored sand. And if you held it up, then it would make a design. It would like the like the sand would wash around in there and you can like shake it and it kind of would look like an ocean or you probably don't know what I'm talking about, but it was just kind of like a kid's toy that you could, if you ended up like shaking a cool design, you could kind of put it on its frame and it would hold it, hold it, you know, but it wasn't anything you could like draw on. It was all inside these two encased pieces of plexiglass. And so she starts playing with it and, you know, it's kind of sort of like a lava lamp, but really yeah, like a yeah. flat, you know what I mean? My and, son um, has like something like that. It's got different color liquids with oil and you kind of move it around. Yeah. And then exactly it'll like, it. it'll like retain its shape if you don't touch it anymore, whatever. So mm-hmm. she's messing around with it and she like, she's holding it and then she goes, Oh my gosh, look. And then she shows it to me and it was the most clear demonic face. Like, mm-hmm like you couldn't draw it better and i like i took it and i threw it and i go what the f dude like that and so then i got a little creeped out and my parents were out of town and i was like 
I think you, I think you should probably go. Cause I got really scared. Right. And her and the other kind of bully, I was never sure if they were effing with me, you know, like there would be other little things like knocks on windows, knocks on door, you know, and I'd be like, was it, or I'd go to the door and there'd be nobody there or I'd get a crank call. And, and I always kind of suspected it was them. Right. So, but then I would tell some of my other friends, cause we're a big gaggle of girls, you know, and, and, um, you know, some of my other friends would be like, yeah, they're uh, whatever, you know, oh, that's they kind of tease and stuff. But I sort of felt like I was a little bit the most focal point of it. And um, so we got a little bit, uh, maybe the next year in school, which would have been about eighth grade, I guess. And, and, um, and I started getting these crank calls and I immediately thought that it was, that they were related. These two were related somehow. And the crank calls got really odd. Like my parents had a schedule of going bowling every Friday night, they'd go out and that would be like their date night and they'd be gone till like two in the morning. And, and right when they'd leave, it would start like immediately. And this was back before cell phones. So, you know, the phone would ring and I'd be like, okay, I would think it would be my friends. Cause I'd invite my friends over a lot. Like my parents are out, let's, you know, let's hang. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, it, and it, it was also phones that like, if you hung up, you know, it would ring right away. Or if you tried to call, you would get a busy signal, but I would want my friends to call. So I would get these crank calls, you know, the crank caller didn't sound like either of my friends, but knew my name, knew where I lived, knew what I was wearing. Email was very weird, very scary. It was very upsetting. Like I, and I was definitely in an age where I was afraid to tell my parents stuff because I somehow would be afraid I was blamed or that they either wouldn't, that or they wouldn't leave me alone or I don't know I just didn't but it was disturbing happened every week for weeks and one of the times I was you know I would hang up on this person and I would I would even cry like and they knew who all my friends were and um and then they they seemed to know a lot about me that they shouldn't have you know like like even what room I was in so it was it was very scary. I was horrified. Yeah. And so one of the times they actually showed up at my door while I was in the middle of talking with them. And then I thought like, maybe it's one of their, well, they like neither one of them had an older sister. And so I was like, have they put somebody up to this? And this person sounded older. And so they came to the door when I was in the middle of like, just serious distress about this. And, um, you know, they kind of laughed at me, you know, and sort of, you know, it was like I was put like it's almost like I was hypnotized or something because I just could not think straight or think mm-hmm. clearly. It was so in it, I'll wrap that one up with it finally did end. Um, th- they had made some predictions too. They had made a prediction that I was going to be dating a friend of mine. And I was like, no, that's just a friend. And it did end up happening. And that was one that I remembered thinking like, ooh, that person that used to call me like said this would happen, you know, that, that they would break up with uh, a f- another friend of mine, like just some social stuff. They had predicted some social stuff. I never found out who that was, but I did find out later in life, much, much later in life, not even that long ago, because I kind of lost touch with these friends, a lot of those friends, and, and um, but I kind of reconnected again and found out that both of those girls were being molested by their fathers. Um, and so, you know, they were also in a class of mine where it turned, uh, they both happened to have been in my sixth grade class and that sixth grade class teacher, he had been 
uh, removed and arrested for pedophilia. And they were also sort of close. So there was some weird dark pedo stuff related to yeah. them. And it was like there was this weird cloud of <sighs> weird crap. I don't know even really, you know. So that 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 was bizarre, but I also, it's like I learned something from it. I learned early on that like there's some spiritual protection that needs to happen just intuitively, you know, based mm -hmm. on stuff that I'd read. And so I'm not like, um, you know, regretful for the experience because I was like, okay, nobody's taken my loose, <laughs> you know, nobody's, right. I'm not doing that again. I'm not showing up afraid. I'm not letting anybody come after me and, um, make, give me that kind of adrenaline rush. You know, I got to figure this one out, you know? So well, that's um, what it almost sounds like, like you're a targeted individual, you know, and right. And what I think is, it's almost like those girls were constantly connecting back with you as like a cry for help almost. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what the, you know, deeper voice was or the older voice, but yeah, that's, that's very bizarre and disturbing. And <laughs> I, I yeah. think you definitely have some serious spiritual protection keeping you out of that when when the thing came to your door did you ever get a look at it or it was no it was the girls they came to oh they came that yeah they sorry they they okay. came to the door while i was right in the middle of it so if i had any sort of suspicion that it was one of them even though i knew it didn't sound like them but i still think that they were involved because how did they know right. i was on the phone like they came to my door you know like they didn't live right next door they just yeah there's no coincidence up. no know? coincidence exactly exactly so so i was um you know just another early on thing and so the things that happened so i had a very fairly dramatic i feel uh ufo encounter and that was in my early 20s and so the things that happened between kind of that time was I had um, regular night terrors and, and sleep paralysis. So mm -hmm. along with that, I was also learning, I had this, I had this day personality that was very ingrained in the material, like super athletic and a lot of friends and the beach all the time, surfing and skiing and all that stuff. But then I had this nighttime person life that I would go into these dreams and I would be sort of terrorized and victimized in that dreamscape space. And so, but then in the dreamscape space, that personality, that's the best way I can describe it, started to also take her power back or my power back. Um, and so these night terrors that um, they lasted my entire life and still until much, much later that I started working with the shaman shaman and drinking um, ayahuasca. This was not even that long ago, but I had the night terrors the whole time through mm -hmm. all of having my kids and, and my ex-husband used to hold me down and just, you know, you're dreaming, you're dreaming, you're okay, you're safe and bring me back. And, you know, f I would find myself trying to run out of the house and crazy. So, but during this early time, you know, these, these night terrors, what they really were was just this infusement of like abject fear. And occasionally there would be like imagery or that, that some dream, uh, you know, sort of, um, topics, but a lot of times it was just like, it was like, it reminded when I saw that, um, movie uh, Monsters Inc. The animated Monsters Inc. I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, that was me. That's that was me. You know, someone was coming, and that's what it was like. And so, what I learned in the dreamscape is I, 
because I, I wasn't raised Christian, but here in the West, you know, it's, you know, you, you know, I, I knew about Christ and stuff like that. Right. But in the dreamscape, I started invoking the name of Christ to make it go away. So then that made me very curious about not religion as much as Christ himself, you know, so, you know, I found that that was the tool <laughs> and I still find, it's, I still find yeah, it it's, a tool. So funny how that works because it's very similar to my experiences too. Really? I wasn't, I wasn't raised. I mean, my mother was Greek Orthodox, but you know, it, it, religion was never a part of our life. That kind of died out when I was about five years old. And there's a kind of dramatic story of us trying to them trying to baptize me at five, but <laughs> we can get into that at another, another time. But yeah, so religion wasn't a thing, and I would get these. Uh, sleep paralysis encounters where there'd be a black mass just kind of on top of you or whatever. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I Instinctually, I just called out the name Jesus and it would just poof, it, it would just disappear. It, yep. And, I mean, yep. <laughs> and I so mean. of course that just led me to get into this whole, once I found out that this was a spiritual thing, because my whole life up until I was about 19 years old or no, a little older, even like 20 it was my last year of college i just assumed they were nightmares everyone told me you're just dreaming they're just bad night terrors there's nothing you can do about it and then i I either heard it on a podcast or whatever but i knew that saying the name jesus stopped it so yeah (laughs) it just led me on this quest to kind of figure out why you know and same Mm -hmm. same exactly like there's power in that name you know no matter where where you're coming from you know i and obviously much later uh, you know did more investigating and established my own relationship uh you know with Jesus but that was the beginning you know that and mm-hmm. and it was an in it was almost as if like you said I must have had some strong protection it was almost as if eventually in these night terrors I was given help like try this <laughs> like like he was there guides were there uh, angelic forces were there. Um, but at, even though I, I found that fairly early, I guess, um, they, the night terrors would still come. And then I, there would be some of them where I would wake up the next day. And, you know, if I slept through, if I didn't wake up and like the terror or need to be woken up because I was screaming or something, um, I would feel like I had just gone through an epic battle. And so some of them yeah. just felt like this massive battle of light and dark going on. And then I would be asked, especially when I got a little older, I would be asked to choose a side. And I would say, I always choose Gryffindor, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. I made a Harry Potter joke, like just uh, always like that was I, there. There's no question. There's you're never going to catch me with the other answer. Never. You know, so that in my mind is what spirituality is. It's so personal and it's so, you have to see it with your own third eye, you know, which is why I never could really, you know, now there's like a pastor I like to go listen to, you know, he, he, he's, you know, he um, is based in like the Emmanuel Swedenborg, you know, the mystic Christian, his, the Mm -hmm. teachings are, and I, I enjoy him, you know, and it's sort of a vibe lifting thing to go do on Sundays and, you know, so, and I, so I'm coming at it from a different angle all these years later. Um, but those night terrors, I, I do think the whole thing, the whole life is related. One thing, the OBEs, you know, the lucid dreams, the UFO, they're not unrelated. 
story, you know, that, and so when you come across somebody like us, it's sort of like, you know, when you tell one of the stories to people maybe that have not had that experience, they're like, oh, you know, here she goes again, <laughs> or here he goes again with one of his weird stories. It's all one story is what I believe. So, um, yeah. And that's the other thing, too, in the dream world. And I'm sure we didn't really get into it with your past life experience, but I, I don't think I've necessarily had a past life experience, but my dreams seem like they're a continuation yeah. constantly. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yes. like when I'm, you know, when I'm dreaming in this world that I'm living in that world. And when I'm dream, like, you know what I'm saying? It's like when I'm I in do. one place, I'm not in the other. And it's, I can't explain it. But when I'm in that dream, I know the whole history of everything. I know mm-hmm. where things are. I know relationships with other people. There's this intricate web of knowledge I know. But as soon as I wake up in this reality, I, I can't tell you anything about it. Right. I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, or once in a while, you'd be like, oh, I, I, or for me, once in a while, I'd be like, oh, I dreamed of that same place again. You know, like, right. I'll, uh, you know, cause if I've kept dream journals off and on through life. And, and uh, so I'll have some remembrance of a few things. But, you know, like, you know, where I grew up, there's this one sort of famous street. And in that dream, it's that, sh- but it's always a little bit different, you know, just a little tweaked, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so through all of that, like I said, for, did a lot of reading, of course, I ended up in the UFO, you know, aisle and, um, read a bunch of books, you know, read all the Edgar Casey books, all the Seth books, uh, you know, everything I could get my hands on that was written at any given time, back, especially when I was young. And um, we, I did a lot of, I, like I said, I was really athletic and I did a lot of water skiing there for a few years. And um, there was a couple of lakes that we would go to here in California, out by um, Bakersfield, California. And we went to this one that, so we went to this one called Buena Vista, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but just a little Mm -hmm. lake, water skiing lake. And there was usually a gang of us, a couple motorhomes, you know, two or three boats, and they were really fun trips. And um, usually the first day is a lot of skiing, or was a lot of skiing, a lot of beers, that kind of thing. But the second day was usually uh, a quieter day because everybody was either hungover, overskied, sunburnt, whatever. So um, it was the second day, and there, everybody had like hit the rack early. Everyone was sleeping except for me and two friends. And we were sitting by the fire and there, this day there had been no alcohol, no weed, no nothing, totally sober, hot chocolates. And, and so we're sitting by the fire and, and we started talking stuff in the sky and weird stuff or whatever. And, and I had already had a couple of experiences, but, um, so I said to them that I had just read a book recently, and I think it was one of Bud Hopkins' early books. I don't remember the book, but in the book he said, if you, uh, you could request a flyby, you know, and you'd get a, you, you know, a few UFO flyby if you were sincere or whatever, right? So I'm just telling mm-hmm. them this, and you know, and we're not trying it. Like, we're just, I'm just telling them this. And then one of them goes, like, Oh, what's that? You know? And so we, and I go, shut up, dude, like, stop it. You know, thinking he's messing, you know? And, um, but sure enough, like over on the horizon, it looked like a ginormous, like too big, uh, Ferris wheel turning really fast. And, you know, like the instantly my, my like sense of physics was like, that's too big for on the horizon. It was just off, you know? So, so we're, you know, we're, we stand up and we're staring at it 
And then within like a snap of a finger, it was over our heads and it was massive and it was a black triangle and it, it was absolutely massive. So I've tried to describe its size before. So if you were standing almost directly under it, we were directly under it, except for it was on a slight angle, like facing its belly towards us, if that makes sense. Yeah. And if you like were to just take a little off. Yeah. yeah. So it was definitely facing us. It wasn't facing mm -hmm. away from us. It was like, it was for us. It was showing us. And so if you were to take your, your uh, hands and put them about a yard apart, that's how much sky it covered it. That's how close it was. And, absolutely silent and you know i've seen pictures of the black triangles before and it was like that except it didn't have a light in the middle it just had lights on the three corners and then so i mean you know we're silent we i mean i couldn't speak i couldn't even think about speaking i didn't think about a camera i didn't think of, i didn't think about anything nothing just staring at this thing and then so then it um the three corner lights, they start doing a chasing formation, like, like Christmas lights would, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, in a clockwise, um, you know, clockwise formation. And so that kind of jarred me to aware. And, and I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe what I'm saying. I said that out loud. And then one of my friend goes, believe it, this is happening. And so our voices kind of, brought us to a little bit of awareness, not enough awareness to like do anything about it, like get a camp, you know, uh, in any case, it, so it's hovering completely silent. Then it, like if it's facing its belly towards us, then it turns on its side so we could see how thick it was. And we could see that the lights were still doing the chasing formation, except now it's just going up and down. So if a triangle like turns on its side, it's like, it's just essentially a thick line, but we could still right. see the two light or we could see two lights. So I'm becoming a little bit more aware, like, whoa, like we're having an, a UFO encounter right now, like really aware. And then it, it, it turns its belly back to us. And then the other friend that hadn't spoken yet, he starts to freak out and he goes over and he starts banging on the motorhomes. And he's like, wake up. And it was, it was fairly early too. At least I thought it was early because this should have been probably about, you know, eight or nine at night. And, mm -hmm. um, he's banged. No one's, he couldn't get anybody to like come out. There's people in tents. No one's coming out of their tents. So I had such a peaceful feeling though. And such a, um, such an in awe feeling about this that, I was not scared. I was not, I just wanted to look at it. I just wanted to like enjoy the moment because I was like, when's this ever going to happen again? You know? So me and, so the friend that's trying to get people to wake up, he finally gives up and he comes and he stands next to us and it's still there. And, um, so it was, I can't, I can't even tell you how much time went by, uh, at that point, but the next conscious moment was it, if it came from due North it took off, but it didn't take off. It was gone. It just, it just blinked it, out. It it blinked out, but it blinked back on at about a ninety degree angle on the horizon from where it came. So sort of northeast or eastish, and then it hovered on the horizon just like it did when it first came in like a um, pinwheel sort of 
I mean, it was the triangle lights still going around, but out on the horizon, it was so much faster. It looked like a really fast Ferris wheel. Anyway, and then it blinked out. And so, the in, like, interesting enough, like, it, like that happened, my friend. That 100% happened. Two other witnesses. So, mm-hmm. so after that, like, I had my own tent, and, and I was, became very tired, but very peaceful. And we just went to our respective tents and went to sleep. I have no idea what time it was. There was a thing that we used to do on these trips, like, and we would, like, put our watches away. Like, you know, uh, you know, Margaritaville, you know, no watches, no clocks. Mm-hmm. Like, so, every, so I, had no, I had no idea to know, and no phones, you know. So I had no idea what time it was. But anyway, I laid there in my tent for a bit going over kind of what just happened, but with the most, what I can only call uh, a peaceful hypnotic suggestion. I was at such peace and I slept so well. And so I woke up and I automatically knew that it was very late because the light was like, it felt like it was the afternoon, you know, it didn't because my tent, you know, I could tell Mm -hmm. that the light was not right. And, um, so me and the two other guys at, came out of our tents around the same time and got all manners of shit from everybody. Like, uh, you know, uh, you know, we're water skiing, you know, it's practically, you know, it, it was like noon. It was about noon and the people had already skied and, you know, we're like, yeah, we tried to wake you up to go out. And so that, that was also strange. Um, but I had no desire to talk about it to anybody. I had no desire to talk about it to the two other guys. And so, end of the trip comes. I didn't, I didn't tell anybody for a very long time. I just had no desire, had no fear, had nothing. And then there was another night that I had gotten together with those two, even though I had seen them both, uh, you know, since then, there was Mm -hmm. one night we were together and one of them just said, so do you guys remember that night? And then it all came flooding back. And then we all wanted to talk about it, like couldn't stop talking about it. And, uh, you know, our stories were matched up exactly the same, except for our own personal feelings going through it. And right. so, so there, so there were, I had, I used to have my, uh, father-in-law, he's passed away. Very interesting dude. He loved hearing the story and he had very interesting thoughts on all things. He believed that it was an abduction experience and that, that we had, must've had missing time because everybody was so asleep and we couldn't rouse anybody and, you know, maybe, I don't know. I couldn't tell you other than um, a couple of like postscripts to that. Um, There was a time when I had already, I have three kids and I'd already had at least one of them. And um, I'd had a very, very clear and lucid dream about a, a being standing next to my bed. And I swore I wasn't dreaming. I swore this was happening. And this being was not scary. Um, and it wasn't like a typical gray, but it was definitely not, uh, something that you would, it was humanoid, but mm-hmm. not scary, kind face, not, um, but, and then I, when I, and that was all I remembered from that. But when I woke up in the morning, I had this, um, very sore, like, it sounds gross, but if you've ever had a very sore pimple, you know, it mm-hmm. felt like that in my neck and I started messing with it. I'm like, ouch, like, ew, what is that? Like, and I had not, no sign of it the day before. And so then I went into the mirror to look at it and I'm like, is that a bite? Like, and I remembered the dream and I was like, how, that's so weird. I got this like thing after that really weird dream. 
And so I started messing with it and then I got like nauseous and Mm. not the kind of nauseous, like, because it was gross. It was like this overwhelming nausea. And I was like, okay, I ain't going to touch that. Like I'm just deep stomach burn where you're just, Mm -hmm. that's, that's what it was. And just this sort of dizzy wave of like, you know, like I was going to throw up. And so Mm -hmm. I didn't mess with it and it became less and less sore um, over time it was in there for a very long time like i'm feeling the area now and it feels like there's a little bit of scar tissue where it was um but i would like because it was right in my neck in front of my neck and i would kind of roll it around after it wasn't so sore anymore i'd roll around roll it around with my finger um and i would think about it and i'd be like i wonder if i should try and like get that thing whatever that is like whatever it is and then i would just have this uh, the passing thought and i would let it go um and then uh just one day probably a decade later, I went to go roll it around and it wasn't there. And I, I don't mm. like my body assimilated it. It got removed. I don't, but it was, um, yeah, that happened. So, um, I had another odd experience that I feel was UFO related. I was, I was doing this walking meditation and I felt drawn to look up. And when I did, uh, I, there was like a little Lear jet type jet right over my head. And I was like, Oh, planes going by, but it stopped in midair and mm. just hovered way high. And so I like, you know, I took off my sunglasses and I'm like, okay, planes don't do that, you know? And so, and, and it stayed there as long as I standed there and stood there. And then I decided to just keep walking and see if it followed me. And then it took off like a normal plane. And so that happened. <laughs> You know, I don't know what it means, um, right. but, you know, that whole story, honest to God, is the truth, you know, every bit oh, of it. I so. believe it 100%. I was going to say, um, if it wasn't an abduction, do you think it was like <clears throat> a moment of like frozen time almost? It's what it's like. It's like you know? frozen time. Mm-hmm. It's like what? time stopped. So, you know, the other weird thing is, and I don't know if this is related if it's related to an abduction, I don't, I've never seen anybody about it. I haven't felt driven to, but I always had, um, irregular periods. Like I would go, I, uh, sometimes through my life, I'd go a year without, you know, I'd ask my OB like, what's going on with that? And they'd say, Oh, you know, you're lean. So low body fat, maybe that has something to do with it, athletic and stuff. And, and, um, I always just thought weird after I, and after I had my children though, they were completely regular. So I don't know, you know, I and I don't know if it's related. It was just always a weird thing. Like if there were some sort of abduction thing happening that I just, maybe those were the night terrors or, you know, I, I, one of the night terrors though, I do feel related and I'll throw this one in. So, you know, my ex-husband, God bless him, wonderful person, great dad, a whole thing. Um, but not, but pretty skeptical, pretty material mm-hmm. minded, right? So my my stuff was always just like, okay, you're all right, sure, you know, I believe it if you believe it, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, but it, he was also very good about uh, my night terrors. You know, he would calmly, you know, coolly, he would hold on to me and he'd say, you know, you're dreaming, you're dreaming, wake up, it's okay, you're safe, like that. And that would do the trick, it, you know, if he could catch me, because sometimes I'd be running out the, you know, t- door or whatever. But, um, but one of them, I knew in the, in this night terror thing that there were these green, little green lights around the bed, circling around the bed. And that was all I knew. All I knew was that and fear. And so I, I was 
waking up with, you know, cause it would start with heavy breathing and then maybe screaming or something. And so I had come to, and he was also coming out of a dream too. And I was like, they, they, they like trying to say what it was. And, and he goes, I saw him too. And then, so when he said that, then it was like, it's not that he didn't want to go there. He couldn't go there. He couldn't, mm-hmm. he couldn't bring that into his like bandwidth. He was just like, no, nope, I'm not doing that. I can't, you know, but he did at least give me that. So I was like, hmm, you know, maybe, maybe there's a relationship there. Um, so, um, so anyway, uh, at, after that, so I do, I do have the haunted or the possessed boyfriend story. <laughs> um, okay, we'll get into that. I was going to ask, okay. what do you think? Sure. Um, do you think it was aliens? What do you think the UFO was? Was it a physical thing? Was it a spiritual thing? Was it? Um, yes. Were they just giving you a show? Yeah, go. Uh, I mean, I think both. I think both. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I knew for sure, the way that crap, the way that thing moved the G's that it would have pulled, like anything inside would have been gravy. So I knew that, that it was something with time. And, you know, later, much later, I, I did a real deep dive with a shaman with many, many, many ayahuasca journeys, many to the Mm -hmm. point where I could ask questions, answers to questions from the medicine. And, and she showed me this, you know, and I asked her, what happened with that, with that UFO? What was that? And she showed me this sort of, uh, you know, the fractal patterning that is, you can experience with hallucinogens. Um, she showed me this sort of bending of time, time looped over on itself. And in the context of that consciousness raising experience, you know, in that space of like non-duality, I understood perfectly. And I, I brought that understanding back. I just don't have the language to right. tell you, uh, or we are maybe on the forefront of coming up with a language. Um, but so in answer to your question, yes, it was physical and yes, it was spiritual. And yes, it was also something else. This, this liminal space that, you know, that I think is required for this new sort of horizon of the new science you know right and that's um, why i asked was time frozen in there where, where it's almost like yes it has to mm-hmm. bend the time around it to give exactly. you that experience okay that's exactly I, it it's exactly it mm-hmm. uh, but not in such a way that like uh you're experiencing frozen time right you know um mm-hmm. I, if so, see how hard it's so hard to kind of know. Um, articulate in any sort of cogent way because we don't have we don't have the verbiage we just don't you know um, I think that the psychedelic community is starting to come up with some stuff you know like um, you know non duality and things like that when you when you can understand that non dual space where you are all of you are part of all part of God, part of everything. If you've experienced that, then you can use that verbiage. If you've never experienced it, then, you know, you're kind of like, what does that even mean? What does that mean? A non-duality, you know, um, you, there is no other, you are the all in that space. So, um, you have to kind of look at it. Like if, if every moment of our life is like a framed thing, it's the little space in between the frame that you just can't, 
right. you don't see it it's mm-hmm. but it's there it, it might only be a millisecond it's yeah it's <clears throat> very fascinating yes yes i i have heard said in some you know uh somewhat religious or uh, spiritual studies that you know the the triad that you know the father the son and the holy spirit and that kind of thing the triad is really the here the there and the in between because it's mm-hmm. it, it's three you know it's your perspective it's the you know it's the antagonist the protagonist and the space you know so um and, and it's looking into that space where the answers lie you know um and and being able to have be brave enough to you know, because like the early stories that I told you, there was a lot of fearful crap that happened. And some people are like, no, I ain't going there. And as they should, unless they're psychically equipped um, to deal with some when it looks back at you, you know. Right. Um, and it it really does kind of take some training or it does take some uh, constantly affirming yourself as in the side of light, you know, like I, I do think about people that dabble in dark magic and stuff. I'm like, Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you be careful. You know, <laughs> like, right. you better uh, keep a strong bubble around you if you're going to do that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and so, well, th- maybe that's a good segue to tell you about the possessed boyfriend, because that, that's where I really got schooled. You know, I was, yeah, I let's... had a lot of hubris about um, anomalous things, thinking I was real tough, you know. Um, so I started dating this old friend. Well, no, he wasn't that old at the time. We, we had gone to high school together, and this, this was early 20s. And um, and he was just a good friend in high school. But we started working in the same restaurant together and started hanging out, and we started dating. And so we were pretty good friends first. And um, he, you know, would he knew I had an interest in some stuff. I had already had the UFO encounter and he knew mm-hmm. about that. So he knew I was open minded to um, weird shit, you know. And mm-hmm. um, by the time we were dating, he trusted me a little more, I guess. And and um, he started telling me that he felt that he was being haunted, you know. And so as cavalier as I was in my young 20s, you know, like, you know, cliff diving and doing whatever, a little bit of an adrenaline junkie, I guess. But, um, and I was, Oh, you know, do tell, tell me more. And, um, so he tells me that he feels that there's some sort of demonic presence. He was living with his, his mom. Um, he was, this is relevant to the story. Um, he was born in Costa Rica and he, his mother was a maid to uh, a uh, Supreme Court magistrate in Costa Rica. And so that he had gotten his maid pregnant. And, you know, this friend, the boyfriend of mine at the time was the product of that. They had mm-hmm. the, the uh, Supreme Court judge had to get rid of the problem. So s- sent them with an uncle to America to, um, to live here. And so he was born, he wasn't born here, but he was raised here. His mother didn't speak very much English. She just didn't have a need to. Um, but I knew her from high school because sometimes we'd go over to his house for lunch and I knew her. She was a super sweet lady. Mm-hmm. So it does come back in the story. So, um, anyway, uh, 
this one particular day we're at my house or my apartment i lived with with a roommate and um he starts telling me this whole story about he how he and his mom are being haunted by some demonic presence and she's horrified she's beside herself she can't sleep she's constantly posing uh praying the rosary and and um you know and i felt bad because i was like oh my gosh your poor mom like what's really happening and he goes no really it, we're being the the house is completely um you know, it's a horror show. And so he goes, and then we're sitting on my bed and he goes, watch this. And my door to my bedroom was uh, open about three quarters of the way. And there was no windows open, nothing. And he goes, watch this. And he stares at the door and the door closed. And so, you know, that's when I went, oh, okay. Um, You've got my serious attention and mm-hmm. so he's like yeah he's tried to go to a priest all this stuff he told me all this stuff he tried to do that he kind of got you know because he was raised catholic and and um you know the church kind of blew him off and and so he's like so i'm kind of desperate and um he had a really good friend his best friend's name was nico by Quentin. and um he's like yeah i tried to get nico to go over there and nico's like no way i'm not going <laughs> so so me not smart you know i was like yeah okay this might be fun and exciting, a haunted house or whatever. Super dumb, really dumb on my part. Mm-hmm. But the other like thing about it was it was um, it was during the 19 or it was just as the 1992 Rodney King riots were just starting to heat, heat, heat up. So it was early April when, okay. you know, this and then. So that verdict had come in, and this is Los Angeles, and he, um, I was living in one of the beach cities of Los Angeles, and he lived in what we called the hood, right? It's pretty mm-hmm. nice out there now, but then it wasn't nice at all, but that's where they lived. And um, so even though, you know, we've got a riot heating up, there's a haunted house, I decided it's a good idea to go out there and spend the night, right? And so, <laughs> so he's like... Um, you know, come pick me up because I don't want you to drive into the neighborhood by yourself. And he tells me this story about, you know, now there's gang members out there and they hang out in the trees and they have whistles and uh, and sounds that they make to let the other gang members and stuff know that the car is okay or that the people, it's someone from the neighborhood. It was crazy. It was a very well-oiled machine out there. Um, and I heard, I could hear the whistles and the calls from the trees, you know. Um, anyway, um such a dumb thing for me to do but this is the story and um so we we decided to go get food and a movie and we were gonna you know get we got to go food and uh grabbed a movie and so we go to his house and it's fairly early um still and i greet his mom all there's like novena candles everywhere anything that's like a glass service is covered with a cloth like mirrors and pictures so there's all these dark cloths hanging all over everything and and, um, you know, candles it and she runs up to me and hugs me because he evidently told her that, you know, cause they just wanted another witness, I guess. And someone didn't know what they were going through. And so, you know, then I realized, okay, you know, I wasn't scared yet, but I was like, okay, this is kind of serious. You know, he had told me the night before that, um, not slept and that they, he had witnessed some little astral, what I came to find out later, astral lights. I'd heard it called that later. He didn't call it that. He said little multicolored lights uh, shooting around the house in a little black cloaked figure. And, um, you know, I, I, it's not that I didn't believe him, but I hadn't seen it for myself. So, right. you know, I was like, it's okay. You know, and the, the mom is really happy I'm there. We eat our food, put on the movie, and 
it's like seven at night and I'm like so tired. I can't even keep my eyes open. And I, at the time was working in a bar. So my clock was like, I usually didn't go to sleep till like two or three in the morning. And so, you know, it was very strange for me to be going to sleep. And later someone I told this story said, well, did he drug you or something? And I'm like, not, no, like he wanted me awake to, you know? So anyway, I fall asleep, fully clothed on the bed. I saw maybe the credits of the movie, you know, I'd eaten half of my sandwich and like asleep. And so I woke up, um, fully clothed on the bed and, and, um, and he's asleep, like dead asleep beside me. And I had, uh, woken up it gets a little convoluted here because there was some things that happened first, but in any case, one of the first thing that happened was I heard uh, hangers in the closet getting together and, you know, the closet doors were closed, like metal hangers, just tink, 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 mm-hmm. you know? And so I was like in jeans and stuff. And, you know, I was like, I thought I could leave. Like, I don't know what that is, but I could, I could leave. And then and I thought, but I'm in the hood and it's like, midnight and there's gang members and there's a riot starting anytime. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to just, I'm going to stay, you know? And so I took off my jeans and I'm like, I'm just going to go to sleep. Well, I don't know what that was, but whatever, maybe there's a cat or, you know, sure. A cat up that high in the closet, but okay. So, um, I lay back down and I was drifting off again. And then there was a sound in the wall that was, um, louder than loud could be. And it, even though I knew it was centered in one wall, it was like the whole house made this sound that was, it was ear splitting. And so mm-hmm. that woke him up and, you know, and I was like, what, what was that? Like, what was that? And, and he goes, is it here? Is it here? And uh, I go, you heard that. Right. And, and so he's like, so we laid there awake for a minute, but then I started to get like, I can't, I can't, I'm just drifting again. I can't. And I'm in my mind thinking, how are you going to sleep right now? Like, how are you, Right. how are you possibly able to fall asleep? Like I, I should be like <laughs> the adrenaline, right? So it's a trance. I, it's a, it was a trance. It was like this energy suck. Mm-hmm. And so, so I start to drift off and he fell right to sleep, you know, all but snoring. And so I'm, I'm laying there drifting off and all of a sudden I started like not being able to breathe so well. I'm like, Oh, you know, and then I felt this pressure on my chest, like literally like, something sitting on my chest and I I'm starting to try and hit him. And I'm like, dude, wake up. You know, I, I can't, I can't breathe. I'm starting to like not be able to even say I can't breathe, you know, cause I'm just, and then I'm full blown panic mode, you know, just starting to kind of twist around. And, and, um, then I start to hear whispering in Spanish in my other ear and then my, uh, adrenaline and body strength I finally just like sat up and and then I like hit him you know like full force hit him I'm like wake the fuck up and so he wakes up and he sits up and he and we're in full panic like this thing is happening it's on this thing is here and so um you know I I'm trying to tell him what was happening and there's a night table on my side and this black cat jumps up on the night table right and um and I go, oh, my God, your cat's in here? And he goes, I don't have a cat, you know? And so yeah. I just scream. I'm just screaming. And so so he goes over, and he takes his cat, and he, like, we're on the first floor, and he pushes out, just throws the screen out, and then throws the cat out. And, you know, I look at him. I'm like, you don't have a cat? You know, like, what, what, what's happening? And, of course, I'm, like, feeling like I'm going to fall asleep. And I should be, like, I'm first I'm thinking, where are my keys? Where are my pants? I'm going to go to sleep again, you know? And so sure enough, 
I miraculously fall back to sleep, but I wake up the next morning, which was not morning. It was like two in the afternoon and he's shaking me. I have my, the head of my, I have my head at the foot of the bed and he's shaking my shoulder and he's like, Oh my God, I was going to call 911. And I'm like, what happened? And he goes, I couldn't wake you up. I just couldn't wake you up. And so, so then I'm like, okay, I'm, I gotta, I have to get out of here and I'm never returning. I'm never coming back. And he's crying. His mom's crying. I'm like one leg in my jeans and my pants and I'm like walking out the door. I leave and, you know, obviously very shaken up process what happened a bit. And I had a, I still have this friend. I have a really good friend. Her parents, her dad kind of fancied himself a shaman and his mm -hmm. mom, her mom was psychic. And he was like this, um, semi-famous set design director. And so he kind of had a little bit of clout and he was an interesting person and I had no one else to call. So I called my friend and I was like, you know, this is what happened. I didn't give her too many details, but I just said, there is a serious something going on. And I feel really bad for, you know, my boyfriend, his mom. And, and she goes, you know, my parents are really into this. So I'll call them and see if they'll come show at least do a blessing, which they did. And she made a beeline for that closet. And she put candles everywhere. She did all these blessings, holy water, all this oil, all this anointing. And he did the, all these rattles and all of this, all of these prayers and stuff. And, you know, we stood in a circle. And, and so she, the mom comes back when we're in the circle and she goes, she goes, you know, I, I get a feeling that there's like, there's like something, um, there's some sort of, uh, uh, she called it a, um, I've heard the phrase since a, uh, uh, I'll think of it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, in any case, she's like, is there anything wood or stone or, and he stops her, my boyfriend stops her and he goes, did you? Yeah. Yeah. I have some stones here. And she goes, is it in one of the, like the linen closet or something? And so he goes over the linen closet and he pulls out a suitcase and it's full of stones. And, mm -hmm. and we're all like, what are <clears throat> stones, you know? And, and he goes, my uncle who owned the house, that house that we were in, from Costa Rica, he asked um, him to bring this suitcase full of stones from Costa Rica back and put them in the house. And he didn't know why. And so, you know, he's obviously freaking out about this. And he says, okay, I have something to show you guys, everybody, because he didn't disclose this information before. Um, and he, he goes, we need to go out to the garage. And so we go out to the garage. And so this same uncle had drawn this massive, probably 10 foot or maybe eight by eight pentagram looking thing. He had painted it on the ground in the garage under, and it was under a rug and like a, a you know, his weight set. And he said mm -hmm. that, you know, he finally disclosed that the uncle would sacrifice chickens out there on that like painted pentagram in the garage. <laughs> and so. Wow. So what kind of like, stones were they in there? They That's... were, they, they looked like just sort of like river rocks, but okay. you know, so she, she, she honed in on it. She honed in on the whole and knew that the stones were there. And he said he intuitively didn't want to El elementals. That's the word. So she mm -hmm. had said elementals. So she had given him very, you know, strong advice to, um, get rid of anything that she'd he'd brought back from Costa Rica or that this uncle had had in the house. And so that was the last time I went to the house. It did seem lighter. He still 
remained haunted. We dated for a little while longer, um, but he would get these, like he did, like he did try and choke me once and his eyes were very black. And, you know, I, I had to obviously break up with him. I didn't mm. break up with him over that though. Like, it, but it was as if, like the thing that I wanted to say about what I really learned from that was when you're in what I believe if you're in a haunting or haunted situation, there is this sort of like uh, haze that overtakes you, that keeps you sort of uh, this weird unawareness. So I actually continued to date him for a while, even though I knew that he was not good and things right. were not good. Like he ended up showing me he was collecting some guns and he was, he was hanging out with a, this rap band that has a little bit of a, had a bit of a falling so I'm not going to say the name of them but they were very dark and he ended up kind of going down a path with them with a lot of guns drugs and money and stuff after mm -hmm. you know later and then you know I'd heard he'd gotten arrested and he was kind of a big guy um, and so I'd heard he'd lost uh, all of his weight and his hair was white he had long I mean you know the way I pictured him was looking like you know just long white hair. I, I just, I stayed away from him after that completely mm -hmm. after we broke up. It was a, it was a weird, weird breakup though, because I, what I started doing is I started waking up in the morning with my head at the foot of the bed and I'd be like, okay, this, how'd I get like this? You know, weird That's stuff weird. like that. And then I, and then the, the insightful thing, I woke up one day and I knew I was leaving and I was staring out at this palm tree. And I, for some reason, I, I thought to myself, Aren't, isn't like palm trees another symbol for Christ? And there was like mm -hmm. this palm tree. And, you know, I'd later heard that, it, that, that there is some truth to that, that palms and palm fronds and things like that. Um, but it was like the palm, as crazy as it sounds, it's like the palm tree was like, it's time to go, you know? And so I literally mm -hmm. packed my bags and left that day. And so, um, out to me through the years, I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, so, that was that story. And I definitely knew that I needed to focus or pay really good, close attention to my psychic protection and my psychic space. You know, um, that's no joke. Um, yeah. People will, people, you know, people, entities, however, uh, what I later came to find out is I think you, I believe how he became sort of possessed was uh i didn't know that he had some a fairly heavy drug use problem a lot of cocaine there was a lot of cocaine in, around that time the early 90s it was you know cocaine central like your you know kindergarten teacher was on blow you know so it was mm -hmm. like it was just it was just what people you know so he had a, a you know and i think that opens up psychic hole in your spirit body you know chemists around chemists around with drugs don't do drugs kids you know <laughs> like it's it's a yeah. um, it's a thing, you know. It is, and those like you were saying, how it you're in this haze where like he's doing these horrible things, and you still didn't leave. It they focus on these low vibrations, and they exactly. play this these entities. I've dealt with stuff like this too. They play the victim, and they're so good at like trying to get sympathy from it. it it's very bizarre, and I understand what you're saying, and it's. I think it's why people stay in abusive relationships and things like that too, because there's this weird sympathetic victimhood that they yep. try yep. to just, they, they just, they just dwell in. And yeah, it's absolutely. Once you snap out of it though, you're like, why, why was I, 
falling it, for that. But yeah, it was like having a, a like a veil over my eyes. Mm-hmm. And then once it's once it was gone, uh, yeah. So I mean, I tend to think that addictions and addicted relationships like that is can possibly be a psycho spiritual parasitic thing going on and i later had that confirmed again with um you know working with the shaman and the medicine you know saw a parasite that i had been carrying around that i purged you know it's part of the deal it cleans out your spirit body you know Mm -hmm. and sometimes you see what's getting cleaned out and it's um very interesting process but um yeah so uh yeah that was that was an interesting time and um uh, I was ha- glad for the experience, and also I did not take this my spiritual life in that cavalier of a fashion. Um, even though I still, you know, explored out of body experiences, you know, read the Monroe books and had some success with that and some lucid dreaming stuff before, you know, the ayahuasca. Once I started doing that, that that it's such a fast track to all of that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, those those were very uh, interesting experiences. Um, you know, it was like a lot of effort, and, and then uh, and then I would kind of give up, and then I would have one. You know, I would mm-hmm. night, do the protocol, do it. Okay, I'm doing this, and I'd be like, okay, this is just not going to happen. And then boom, I'd have one. You know, so <laughs> I don't know if it's too much. It, there's maybe a you got a little bit have a sense of humor about it, um, or a lighthearted vibration about it instead of too intense or. You know, that, well, uh, I've noticed that too. Like I've tried a few times to have like set the intention to have a lucid dream or try to do something and nothing happens when you do yeah, that. When you really, yeah. But if I'm like exhausted and I just come home and I'm just so happy to fall down in the bed and fall asleep, it's like you, I get taken off into something like that. Okay. <laughs> so you've had some, so you know what that's like. It's like, it's like somebody else is sort of directing, even though you've placed your intent there. And, mm-hmm. you know, in my case, I was fully conscious. I knew my body was where my body was and I knew, it, you know, so, um, you know, there was a few and some are not, you know, like some flying ones, and, but there's, there's two that are dramatic though. I'll tell you, um, you know, for time's sake, the others are, um, just, um, success. Yay. I'm out. <laughs> uh, but mm-hmm. the, um, uh, uh, the, the, first one that was uh, pretty dramatic was I had been trying to work on it for, um, you know, a, a week or so or something. And uh, I had woken up in the middle of the night um, and, you know, to pee or whatever. And I was like, oh, this is a good time. This is perfect. I'm going to, what, what I had done with this technique was I laid in bed, placed the intent and I kept, I kept one of my hands, even though I was laying on my back, I kept one of my hands up like a fist sort of um, in the air. Mm-hmm. And uh, according to that technique, as you start to feel your body, like your fit, your arm falling or, or starting to, then you know that your body's falling asleep and then you try and roll out of your body. And that's what I did. I did it. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> here I am. And there's my sleeping self right there. I'm hundred percent aware, but then whoosh, I didn't take myself to the windowsill. I found myself on the windowsill. And so I was on the outside. I was on the second story not afraid or anything. And I had already had a couple of flying ones. So I knew, and, and then suddenly, um, I felt I was flying over a railroad track and I heard someone else with an out of body experience say something about how like power lines and railroad tracks and that kind of thing have an energy field. And that's what I had sort of done is I'd gone along this railroad track and then this power line, but I'd heard that later after I'd had this experience, but 
then I, my next bit of consciousness, well, I was suddenly aware. I knew I was in Chicago. I've never been to Chicago. I knew I was in Chicago in these like people's condo or townhouse. And I knew mm-hmm. that I was up by the ceiling and I knew that I had someone with me. I was accompanied by accompanying spirit. Um, and, and there was a, a black couple uh, and they sensed my presence and the woman was afraid and she came after me with a broom and that's how that went. And I, I, it was, and he was saying some sort of um, chant to kind of rid their house of spirits. That's what I gathered. And I was like, Oh, Oh no, no, that's not what I'm doing. And I felt terrible, you know? And I was like, why was, and then instantly I opened my eyes in my body. I was back in my body. I don't remember coming back to it, but when I opened my eyes back to my body, it wasn't like waking up. I was awake. My eyes just came open. So mm-hmm. there's a distinction. You know, you wake up in the morning or in the middle of the night, you're groggy. I was not groggy. I was wide awake. Just my eyelids just went bink. And so I thought, like, why, why was I shown that? You know, like, what a weird one. Like, that's so random. Um, but, you know, I've later come to think, like, I've heard people say that, that, you know, that sometimes you are the ghost, you know? Uh, right very interesting i could i could describe their townhouse that they had this beautiful african heart art on the walls and they had these like a different brightly colored painted orange and yellow walls and stuff (laughs) and they were probably you live there in a past life or something you know i i i didn't have any connection to the place okay It, it it really feels like it was it really feels very random but it was 100 real so mm-hmm. I moved out of, uh, from that apartment into a house where I later had a lot of anomalous experiences, not, uh, not unrelated to all the things I was trying. Like, you know, I became, I got a, did, I became a Reiki master, Reiki master two, my father-in-law's Reiki master three. So I was going through that whole process. I was also, um, having lucid dreams and working with these OBEs. And then I also think there was like some spirits in that house. So I had a lot of stuff go on in the bedroom there at the, mm-hmm. at the house. I was at where I raised my kids and stuff. And um, anyway, the other dramatic one was I was, I felt like I was working on it pretty hard again. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. You know, I think I reread read Monroe's book. And I was like, okay, or I maybe, I don't know why I did it, but anyway, I did. And um, this one, I, uh, was I felt even though I haven't worked on it much uh, in a lot of years, I felt like I was, was semi kind of a little bit knowing what I was doing because I placed my intent and it happened fairly easy. And what I had done was I knew that I was asleep, and then I just said, "Okay, I'm just going to roll out of my body." So I gently rolled out of my body and um, down to the floor, but I was hovering above the floor by like an inch, and I was in like a prone position, like I was in a coffin. I had my I, my, my spirit body's hands on my chest too. Mm -hmm. And, um, I presume that's how I might've been laying in the bed. But, um, anyway, I drifted through the wall and I could feel like the joists and the wiring, (laughs) which was a very weird Mm -hmm. feeling. It was very bizarre. And then I ended up out hovering over the grass on my back. And, uh, so I was very aware. And my father-in-law, same father-in-law I told you about, when I had told him about the other OBEs, he's like, he's like, and you didn't ask to do anything cool, like talk to God or go to, and I was like, no, I didn't think of that. You know, <laughs> I went, I was a ghost someplace. I, I don't know, dude, like lay off. I'm, okay, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can talk to God or something. Right. Or I'll see if I can have a presence of mind to have, um, you know, do something cool so I can tell you about it. <laughs> and, um, 
so I did have that presence of mind. And so I was uh, hovering above our grass, but like the light was different. It was very psychedelic. It was very like uh, uh, beautiful. Like everything was very colorful. All the colors were brighter. And, and, uh, and so I, so I thought to myself, um, cause my dad had passed away not too long before that. And, um, uh, I thought to myself, I'd like to see my dad. And then I just got the instant, um, instant awareness. You were not, no, not yet. You're not ready for that kind of thing yet. And so, mm. so I was like, okay, well, how about God, you know? <laughs> and so, so then I started drifting up the street head first on my back about a foot above the ground. And, but I could feel I, like, obviously my body didn't have my head of hair, but I could feel like little, my hair sort of like on my face. So it was weird. But anyway, I drifted up the street about a block and a half. And then I ended up under this tree. And in my waking life, I went back to look for this tree and couldn't find it. But it was on the street, you know, the street I lived on. And and then I started circling around under the tree, under this beautiful tree. It was like something out of Avatar. It was like all colorful and all of these lights. And I had asked to see God, right? But I forgot. And mm-hmm. um, what I had asked, I was just so marveling that I was, I was so impressed and proud of myself for not getting jerked back into my body. I was like, okay, I'm not afraid, not afraid. Don't, no fear, no fear, you know? So I'm under this tree and um, I stopped. And all of a sudden this like drop of dew came down and then it hit my thigh. And when it hit my thigh, I knew everything for a split second, I had all knowledge. And this was pre-ayahuasca. So I had several of those with ayahuasca, but this was pre, it was like pre-game because it wasn't too many years later that I pursued that. Um, and then I woke up instantly in my, in my body, in my bed. And, you know, like, who do you tell? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I, can tell I can tell you. And I, there, there has been people, obviously, people I worked with, you know, with the uh, ayahuasca and stuff, you know, everybody's had their deal. But at the time I was like, where do I put this? You know, like, where do I put this? I, I, I had all the answers for a second, you know? And, um, yeah, so that was, that was that, you know, um, also, you know, interspersed in there, both my parents died 10 years apart and had massive amounts of after death communication with my mom and then amazing experiences with a medium, just amazing, life-changing, which, you know, had me kind of pursuing that. I have been pursuing that, um, you know, that art of mediumship, um, Mm-hmm. off and on but much more serious since covid started um you know taking courses and taking courses mm-hmm. at the you know arthur findlay uh famous arthur findlay college of spiritualism you know in england and and got certified in the whole thing but i would say some of the all of the experiences but the obes were like and then the you know when my mom died i had prim- death uh, premonitions. I knew she was going to die. And then after she communicated in every possible way, undeniable stuff, you know, mm-hmm. just, um, it's actually kind of a long story, uh, to get into. I know we've been going a while, but, um, you know, maybe another time if you it want, oh, you know, cause we it's, can do... yeah, for sure. I was just going to say, was there any, was there one, uh, communication she gave you that you just knew, right? Like, like you said, undeniable, what was the one that well, with yeah, okay. So with with the medium, um, 
they were absolutely undeniable. The medium would mm -hmm. even talk like her, like use phraseology and new, uh, new family dynamics and new issues between us. And there was just so much forgiveness. It's really kind of a long and beautiful story, you know, mm -hmm. um, and also just so undeniable. And I was in such deep grief that I feel like my mother from the other side was like, oh man, I can't leave this poor kid like this. I got to help her out. Cause I, I was blind with grief, you know, because she was the first person I'd lost, you know. But right. before I found the medium, um, I knew that there was such a thing called after-death communication where they would give you little signs, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, I had gotten weird, weird things right away. So the one pretty dramatic one, because it had other witnesses, is um, was the day she died. I knew she was going to die. I had told my dad and I had told my sister and they're like, no, no, she just broke her hip. She's not going to die. She's going to be fine. Stop being so morbid. Shut up, you know, but she did. And, and so I knew the last time I was going to see her, I knew the night she died and I could feel her in the room with me. And so essentially when my dad called with the terrible call at three 30 in the morning, I picked up the phone essentially going, I, I know what you're going to say, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but so then I fell apart. I was an absolute wreck. Almost passed out in the mortuary. They had to carry me out of the, you know, coffin room or whatever. And because um, mm -hmm. I was ru ruined, you know, just ruined. This was just too much, too much for my psyche, you know. Um, anyway, we get back to the house, and they lived in Palm Springs. And um, we get back to the house, and it was September, so it was really beautiful weather. And so we had doors open and stuff. And um, my mother loved the hummingbirds, just loved the hummingbirds. It was hummingbird nests and all that stuff. And my sister goes, "Oh, look, look at that." look at that hummingbird with a white head, you know, like white feathers on its head. And like white was my mom's color, of course, like white, mm -hmm. she loved white, everything. But a white headed hummingbird is like, what the, what? And um, we go out there, we're like, how could that be? Like white, random. And of course we're all like, mom, you know, because like she, you know, because we're joking, even though we were deep grief, we we're still joking around, you know? And, um, mm -hmm. cause she was really funny, right? So, so anyway, uh, we go back in the house and this white hummingbird follows us in the house and it comes mm -hmm. right up to my face, you know, and, and like, like six inches away from my nose, just looks me right in the eye and then zips back outside. And so, you know, we're all like, we're all just look at each other and we're like, okay, she's going to be like giving us some signs, you know, yeah. she's, this lady isn't going out without a bang, you know? So, so it was that night, um, we were, we, we all grabbed dinner think we barbecued or something and, and um we all grabbed dinner and we're like walking by with plates front door just flies open just like a it was like the only way that that could happen it was a lat it was latched closed you know mm -hmm. and it wasn't wasn't windy it just flew open and so like my sister's like oh mom's here you know so like so those were like a dramatic start and then I was just inundated because I could not release my grief no matter how much I thought she was okay I couldn't look at pictures of her I was in like I I just I just constantly crying and I, I couldn't even take my eye my hands away from my eyes for probably a solid month I was just on the couch or in bed with my hands over my eyes and so and then I would so even though those things had happened I started asking for signs you know I would just say just give me a sign anything give me anything and um she did I mean mm -hmm. uh I said um well I'll, I'll, I'll lead you up to how I found the medium and that that you know then the medium story is actually kind of big because there was so much on 
unveiled there and so much healing and it's a really beautiful uplifting story um but uh so there, there was lots of various things i said give me a sign and then my microwave made this sound that it never made before or since you know and that's like i could i could elaborate on that story but that happened and then i was in this deep deep state of grief crying 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 and so i just said out loud i just said i love you i love you i love you and then i felt compelled to get up and so i did i followed my compulsion i was like i gotta go get some water or something and then i i had this giant book shell case and you know i never looked at these books but i looked at the books and then i was like oh there's a bible and i just felt compelled to pull the bible out i pull the bible out and there's a green slip of paper that falls out and it was like an old non-sticky post-it note, you know, bright green. And uh, it falls out and it says, I love you, I love you, I love you. And my mom's writing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I wow. mean, yeah, yeah. I did. And there was so, there was, there was at literally dozens of things like that, dozens, you know. And so, and one, then I started, I found it like a message board for after-death communication because I became a little obsessed with it because I was like, I am communicating with someone who is really good at it on the other side, you know? So on that, someone had said, you give them signs that you want to see, just tell them what you want to see. So I said, mm -hmm. okay, mom, give me a white bird, white bird. And anytime, any place I see a white bird, I know it's you. And so I started seeing white birds everywhere. I mean, if it wasn't on a loaf of bread, it was on the side of a building on the back of a truck, it, mm -hmm. you know, it was white birds everywhere. And so it's, and, and literally white birds, you know? So, um, like white pigeons, white dove, they, you know. So anyway, I had decided on the medium uh, to do a medium, which is kind of a long story because I, it's it's kind of a long story and it's kind of interesting the way that all came about. But when I when I did start searching the internet for a medium, I I fell upon this one, and when I was looking at the page, there was this animated old school gif of a white dove, and I'm like, okay, I think I found my girl, and um. So right then this blue jay comes up to the window right over my computer and my mom's name was Jay and she loved the blue jays and stuff. And so, so I was like, holy cow, I think, you know, so, and then I ended up having this, like this very interesting relationship with this medium and this, all of these incredible insights with, through her, um, you know, like it was undeniable. Like at, at mm -hmm. the end of that, I was like, all, all things were off. Cause we dove deep into like various, like, consciousness studies like the mind body connection like and then i had like proofs from that and like it it's a pretty involved story so you know oh, yeah. um, we'll definitely do a part two then okay sure. okay yeah yeah so um phew i said a mouthful there yeah no it, there's so many synchronicities with this i'm gonna have to re-listen and like message you afterwards because okay. i mean i had i had stuff with birds when my grandfather died he flew pigeons there's stuff with pigeons constantly and mm, yep we yep. have a connection i have a pigeon connection with my father <laughs> too so i'm glad i reached out to you i had a feeling i had a feeling yeah. that um we were simpatico you know mm -hmm. yeah right. yeah so we've been going for about an hour and a half now so oh go we'll, okay <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap it up here and we'll definitely okay. do a part two um okay Okay. Closing that, words you want to say? I, you know what? This was fun, Nico. Thank you for listening. I really, um, yeah. I thanks so much. Um, you know, uh, you had asked me if I wanted to promote anything. Promoting is probably too strong of a word. I, you know, I once I started pursuing the mediumship. You know, there's a mediumship community, and there's people that reach out to mediums and all of that. And so I 
I made a little Instagram for that and made a website. And so, you know, if anybody wanted to say, hey, um, it's just um, on Instagram, it's just uh, Trickster Fox 7. So, um, you know, say, hey, like reach out. I would love to hear from anybody. Other than that, like promoting for that whole like spiritual life, promotion feels sort of um, uh, cheap, I know you know, you kind mean. of cheap. Yep. And, you know, and I have a whole other business that I make plenty of money in. So it's not about the money for me. It's about the it's about spirit, you know? That's, mm-hmm. So, yeah. But thanks for, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, of course. And thank you so much for coming on. And we're definitely going to do a part two. But um, Okay, good. Exciting. I'm excited. So for tonight, we'll just, we'll end it here. And, okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Have Sounds good. Okay. You do the same. We'll talk again. Take care. And that's the show, folks. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, this is a great episode and like i said in the intro or i'm definitely going to schedule a part two with whitney because she has many more stories that we can go into um yeah i hope you guys enjoyed it and if you did enjoy it like i always say and you want to support the show the best thing you can do is hop on to apple podcasts click the little review button hit five stars write a nice little message Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Whatever. Just leave me a five-star review and that will help the show grow tremendously. I don't know why it helps the show grow, but it does. Uh, And it would mean the world to me if you guys could hop on and do that. Um, Yeah. Uh, You know, if you've had a paranormal or spiritual experience and you want to be on the show, please don't hesitate to contact me at upstateunconventional at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at upstate underscore unconventional. And you can share your story. You know, that story that everyone tells you you're crazy for talking about. I'm telling you, you're not crazy. Probably not crazy. You know? And it feels good to uh, get these things out there and get them off your chest and have someone, you know, talk with you about it and not, you know, belittle you or whatever. But, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And I'll see you on the next one.